You're listening to Ask Nurse Alice, presented by Nurse.org, where Alice Benjamin combines no-nonsense advice with thought-provoking interviews. Hi, friends. Welcome to the Ask Nurse Alice podcast. I'm your host, Alice Benjamin, clinical nurse specialist and family nurse practitioner. And on today's show, I have a very simple question. Do you believe there should be any repercussions for healthcare professionals who spread misinformation? Is that a yes or a no? Right? It seems pretty straightforward that, you know, if someone's spreading information that is untrue, incorrect, not evidence-based, that that could be very harmful to the patient and to the public and those type of things. And we would never want that to happen. That's actually the opposite of what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to take care of people, keep them safe. However, during this world pandemic, you guys have seen it. I'm not making this up. We've seen a lot of information, misinformation and disinformation out there regarding COVID-19 disease, the coronavirus, vaccines, wearing masks, and other interventions that are intended to keep people safe. Now, I feel really passionate about this because I have been talking and reporting on COVID-19 since before it even came to the United States. Some of you may know I am a medical correspondent on television and I just remember in January talking about this. It was still in Wuhan, China, and we were talking about, you know, what should we be on the lookout for, this, this, and this. And I just remember talking about it so early on, and it seems like there's been so much that's happened, so much has transpired. And while the public may feel like, oh, healthcare professionals and scientists and epidemiologists keep changing their mind, it's not that we're changing our mind. We are changing interventions and recommendations based on the science. When we know better, we do better. And I can see how someone who may not be as savvy or interested or up on their review with COVID-19 could get left in the, in the past and be reporting on some old information. But the point is, when we are educating patients, when we have platforms where we are elevating our voice and have the opportunity to spread information out to the masses, it's very, very important that we are accurate. You should never get on television or on social media going on a rant about something that you're not most familiar with. Every time I go on television, I'm making sure that I've looked up the latest and greatest, a benchmark practice, looking up new recommendations, seeing what you know the authoritative bodies are saying about this particular topic before I talk because I would not want to misspeak. I went to nursing school a while ago. Things have changed. There are new medicines, there are new treatments. You know, stuff is done differently. There's new equipment. I get it. And so I do my best to stay abreast and current on the latest and greatest of science and medicine and nursing. But some people don't really care about that. That's what's bothering not only me, but hey, our whole nation, the whole world right now, because the least little bit of misinformation can go a long way and cause harm. Because what happens? We tell someone, for example, oh, you don't need to wear masks. If you're coughing and sneezing and have a fever, even if you think it's COVID, you don't need to wear a mask. That's not going to do any good. That person listens to that advice and then that person can potentially infect and spread the coronavirus to other people who then develop COVID-19, get hospitalized and die. No bueno. That is not what we're going to do. Okay. So there has been some discussion lately in the news about should healthcare professionals be reprimanded for these things? Should their licenses be taken away? Should they be put on suspension? 
Now we know that there's a lot of discussion out there about treatment and prevention. And so let me just give some examples. Now, obviously I get a lot of questions about, you know, does vitamin D, does zinc, do all these things, you know, Pepsid, can these help with improving my immune system to help fight off the COVID-19? Well, I think some of those questions that we've been getting about boosting our immune system, you know, CMOS and multivitamins and all those things in the context of boosting our immune system or optimizing our health, I think that those are things that we should have been doing even before the pandemic to be at our best, right? So getting adequate sleep, eating properly, drinking plenty of water, avoiding sugary drinks, not smoking, like those are all common sense. Yes, those are things that can help improve your immune system, but they're not going to fight off COVID, okay? Uh, That's a long stretch. Now, if your immune system is Your immune system, yes, can be weakened if you've not done all those things, but it's not going to be a game changer when it comes to fighting COVID. Not really. Okay. Uh, Other things that people have been talking about, ivermectin, the antiparasitic, the horse pill, uh, other medications such as hydrochloroquine. You know, we had people buying these types of medications at animal stores and causing deathly harm to them. There are people who have died taking these medications. Okay. The science has been very clear that those medications do not cure or improve or help fight off COVID-19. And those are things that we need to be very, very clear about. So you can see how some of the things and questions that we're getting from patients, if we steer them in the wrong direction, can cause harm or lead them to falsely believe that they are in a better position to fight COVID than they really are, right? I'm not going to tell anyone that, hey, take a vitamin D and that's going to help you fight off COVID. That's just simply not true. And, you know, there have been some other medications and things out there. There's remdesivir, there's uh, monoclonal antibodies, we have the vaccines. So there's been a lot of questions about treatment, prevention, how to manage symptoms and all of these things. So I get it. I can understand how a healthcare professional who has not stayed current with the literature might be a little bit off their game when it comes to educating, which is why I hate when they say, talk to your healthcare professional, talk to your nurse or doctor about this. While they should, I'm just going to be very clear. Not all doctors and nurses know this. This is no shade. It's being facts. It's just facts. And you know, listen, if somebody's going to be talking about a delivery of a baby and they say, talk to your nurse or doctor, I'm like, hey, talk to that nurse over there because I'm not the nurse you need to be talking to when it comes to the delivery. You might see me in the emergency room and you might be in my ICU and be pregnant, but best believe I'm calling the OBGYN, I'm calling the labor and delivery nurse, I'm calling that nurse to come help be my expert because they know the science, they know the practice, they have critical thinking, they have anecdotal experience and notes that can help complement their practice and provide the direction and guidance that the patient needs, okay? But I know I'm very clear about what my lane is. So that's why, you know, You think nurses and doctors, healthcare is our lane. Saving patients is our lane. Yes, that's true. But it's also very important to know what you don't know and where to go to look up the information and to be honest about it, to say what it is that you feel comfortable with, what you're aware of, and to always direct that individual back to their primary care provider or the specialist who is going to help give them the answers, correct answers that they need. Also, let's talk about masks. You know, some states mandating masks, some places saying we have a mask ban and all of these other things. Listen, there has been no evidence that shows that wearing masks can be harmful in the general public. We know that people two and up 
for the most part, can generally wear masks without any type of repercussions or harm. Now, will there be an outlier out there? Yeah, there will be, but that one outlier, that 0.00001% of cases is not the majority. So stop bringing that up all the time. Make it make sense. Make it make sense when it's relevant to your patient in their particular condition. But stop touting this information as if this is the norm. This is the majority. Okay? So in Philadelphia, at a particular children's hospital, there was a pediatric nurse practitioner and a physician who was the director of the Vaccine Education Center who were telling parents that making kids wear masks can actually cause physical harm, psychological harm, developmental delays, and cause them to want to have suicide. Where they got that from, I don't know. I don't know what randomized control trials, I don't know what case studies they were looking at. Never do these people ever cite where they're getting this information. But when they were questioned by a journalist, they said, well, that's been my experience. Listen, sis, listen, brother, whoever you guys are, and I'm not just talking to these particular cases, but to anybody who's listening, who's in this boat, your anecdotal information is not facts. You might have experienced something or seen something. However, again, that point zero point zero 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 one is not the majority. We need to go based on the evidence, based on the science. And so the American Pediatrics Association actually put out, issued guidance regarding wearing masks and those being safe for children over the age of two. Also, it issued some other recommendations for children returning to school and the different interventions, the multifactorial interventions that needed to be implemented to keep our kids safe, which included getting as many people vaccinated around the children, wearing masks, physical distancing at least three feet as possible, improving ventilation, classrooms outdoors, having access to hand washing stations, hand sanitizer, uh, frequently cleaning surfaces uh, that children commonly share. So if our American Academy of Pediatrics, who is the governing body, who has almost all of the science and the evidence that commands pediatric care, where this particular nurse practitioner and this physician got that information from, I have no clue. But should they be reprimanded for telling hundreds and hundreds of parents that? Because now these parents could be listening to these providers and then sending their kids out into situations where they could be at risk because they're not wearing a mask. So I will say this, when it comes to, and obviously I'm an advanced practice nurse, but I am not a physician. However, the Federation of State Medical Boards, which represents state medical and osteopathic regulatory boards, commonly referred to as state medical boards within the United States, its territories in the District of Columbia, they have issued a statement and their statement reads that following uh, the response of a dramatic increase in the dissemination of COVID-19 vaccine misinformation and disinformation by physicians and other healthcare professionals on social media platforms, online and in the media, they have said that physicians who generate and spread COVID-19 misinformation or disinformation are risking disciplinary action by state medical boards, including the suspension or revocation of their medical license. Due to their specialized knowledge and training, licensed physicians possess a high degree of public trust and therefore have a powerful platform in society, whether they recognize it or not. They also have an ethical and professional responsibility to practice medicine in the best interests of their patients and must share information that is factual, scientifically grounded, and consensus-driven for the betterment of public health. 
spreading inaccurate COVID-19 misinformation, Condra indicates the responsibility, threatens to further erode public trust in the medical profession, and puts all patients at risk. So now we know that every state's going to be a little bit different, but you have this governing body who has said and made this recommendation, okaying, sending messages to different medical boards that, hey, if there are complaints filed about physicians, please investigate and please reprimand as you see fit these individuals. That's pretty powerful. And there's actually been cases where this is being done. There have been physicians who've been placed on suspension. There have been physicians who, while their license was about to be revoked, they actually voluntarily turned in their license right right before. It's like, it's like I'm gonna quit before I get fired type of thing. But so this is happening. This is legit happening with physicians. Now, I love working with physicians, okay? It, it takes a village to take care of someone, guys. There are over 1 million physicians, over 4 million nurses. Now, if physicians are doing it, should this also be happening in the nurses' world? Well, I've not yet seen a statement from the American Nurses Association recommending any punishment for nurses who do this. They have said that it's important to not spread misinformation and disinformation, but haven't taken it that extra step. And so my question to you today was, should they? Should nurses also be included in this and risk the potential for having their licenses suspended or revoked? My answer to that is yes. This is a simple yes for me. And where I feel like this might be challenging is because nursing, we have so many different entry levels into nursing that we don't all have the same exposure or experience to research what evidence-based practice really is. It's a buzzword, but do we really know what it is? Have we really done the work around it? Have we participated in it? While your organization should be ensuring that you do that, participating in the steps to scrutinize the data to make sure that the study or the research that you're reading is valid and that it is generalizable and that it can be trusted. I'm not sure that all nurses have that experience. No shade, just facts. And I think it's important that we recognize, you know, the holes in the Swiss cheese so we can get to a solution. Now, again, I'm an advanced practice nurse. I'm a clinical nurse specialist and nurse practitioner. Clinical nurse specialist first. So as a CNS, that was very, very integral to my role. I could pick up a study, read it and be like, mm-mm. This, this ain't this ain't the one. And read something else like, oh, this is very solid. It's trustworthy. It's generalizable. I've worked with staff on performance improvement projects, evidence-based projects, where we've done uh, projects on a particular unit in a certain population. We've trialed it in other populations before we rolled out to an entire division and then the entire hospital. Because what works in one unit may not work in another unit, depending on the population and their process and other things like that. But I say that to say, I feel very comfortable in this space, whereas some nurses may not feel as comfortable. And I'm not sure that we as nurses have enough forums where we can discuss COVID-19 and the things we really need to know. Now, I'm not saying that there aren't some, well, you know, some some cute little buttoned up series on COVID-19. Yes, there are. But I don't know that it really allows for dialogue and discussion. They're more of a listen only type of thing, which is very one direction. I guess some people can learn like that, but I ask questions. 
I'm always sitting in the front like, well, why is this? And why is that? And help me understand. And would this apply in this situation? Because that's the kind of learner I am. And that's what makes me a really good CNS because I really want to understand it and understand how this information is applicable in certain situations when it's not applicable. And, you know, is it evidence-based and all of these things? And what's, what are the benchmarks? And, you know, I, I want to know all that stuff. Now understand though, not everybody wants to know all that stuff. I get it. Not everybody's Although we're all dealing with COVID, we all don't want to deal with COVID, if that makes any sense, right? We want to be safe. We want to follow evidence-based practice, but we're not really interested in knowing, some people aren't interested in knowing all the intricate details. So what do we do in those situations? What do we do when we have fellow peers who are touting information that is untrue or might be old? Now, listen, I'm a nurse practitioner also. I have worked with senior nurse practitioners who I have listened to talk to patients about guidelines that were old. And in that moment, I kindly in, in interject in the conversation and speak to, oh, the new CDC guidelines effective of last week say yada, 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 yada. And I educate my peers. I never do so in a demeaning way, but I make sure. So that's, that just goes to show you that there are always opportunities to learn. We are all learning. There's no one who knows everything guys, I just happen to be very interested in COVID and staying on top of the literature. But when you have people who just don't care to learn, even when you've correct them, or who believe things that the vaccine is going to magnetize you, or that there's a chip in there, or it's related to 5G, or that wearing masks are going to cause kids to want to commit suicide. When you have people like that, when you have people who Maybe get a little bit of the data. Because let me say this. You know what's so interesting about lies is that there's an element of truth in it usually. And that little bit element of truth causes you to question the entire statement. So for example, we know that as of recently, people who are fully vaccinated may still test positive for COVID and be asymptomatic or have mild symptoms. Yes, it happens. But it happens at not at all to the degree of which people have said it is. It's a very small amount, very small amount. And I'm going to venture to say, last that I read, it was anywhere from 5 to 10%, but no more than that, right? And I have actually seen people like this. I've counseled them. I've diagnosed some of these folks. And listen, I take the, mo- I take the opportunity to tell them that, you know, don't feel that your vaccine was in vain that this will actually help prevent you from developing severe illness and death because that was the whole reason of getting the vaccine. So to not be distressed that you've tested positive for COVID, but yes, you are still infectious. You are you are contagious and to take these precautions. But some people will have you believe that, oh, anybody who gets the vaccine can test positive and that it's happening at large amounts. It's very, very much not. It's the minority. A majority of people who are hospitalized with COVID and who are dying from COVID now are in unvaccinated people. But you get someone who gets a little element of the truth and they twist it into a lie. But it's that little element of truth that makes you question the whole statement. And because you're a nurse, right, the most trusted healthcare profession out there for the 20th year per the Gallup polls, they're going to believe you. People will have you believe like, oh my gosh. And listen, I'm not going to get into this whole compassion fatigue and nurses leaving the bedside nursing shortage because we know there is a nursing shortage. There was one before the pandemic and even more so now during the pandemic. However, 
People will have you to believe that nurses are leaving bedsides by the droves. When the truth is, we're not walking off the shift, but you, people are making it. People are making it seem like that, or that. Oh my gosh, the hospitals will be empty because no one wants to get the vaccine, and we're leaving. Truth of the matter is, only one out of every four healthcare professionals has not received the vaccine. So for nurses, seventy-five percent of us are vaccinated, and when it comes to physicians, ninety percent of them are vaccinated. Those are the facts, but it gets twisted and it's, you know, can give a whole nother meaning into these stories when it's misinformation. Again, a little, a little bit of truth mixed in a whole bunch of lies. So, but my question is, should nurses as well as physicians, I think physicians are a step ahead of us in this process, but should they be reprimanded for their actions? And again, I think so. But the problem is, and again, every state is different. And so because every state is different, listen, I'm not going to say, but you guys, California is very different from Texas. Those are very two stark differences. I'm just going to leave it at that. But the governing licensing boards in each state will be ultimately responsible for receiving and investigating any complaints of misinformation. Do they have enough manpower? Do they have the resources? Do they have the leadership that cares? I would hope that they do, but I can't say that's the case for everyone. So we may see some discrepancies from state to state to how these are dealt with. But now that President Biden has released his COVID plan for the nation, who knows how this will look. There may be some federal resources for agencies to, you know, ramp up this department that will investigate this misinformation, disinformation of healthcare professionals. But as nurses, I said it before. We have varying levels of entry, various levels of comfortability and knowledge of research and evidence. Some people don't have an interest in COVID. Some people just to no fault of their own are behind in the science because something has changed. And so how can we make sure that the public gets the information that they need? Well, here's my solution. Unless you are a provider, who is current and up to date on COVID-19 because this is your specialty, this is what you do, I think it's important that someone in your organization is identified to do so. Should be the infection control nurse, there's probably, probably an epidemiologist somewhere in your organization who should be sharing this information with colleagues, right? They're probably putting it in some health stream, they're probably putting in some, you know, read and sign note, please read the note. But let me say this, there are some core elements to COVID-19 and the vaccine that we all should be aware of. And I think it's very simple. Masks work, vaccines work, physical distancing is helpful, and hand washing. Those are some core elements that we all should know, should help, okay? When it gets to side effects, and I know there's not any long-term studies from the COVID vaccine, but if you remember, we had hundreds and thousands of people dying in the hospital. You couldn't, your morgue couldn't even take any more patients. You couldn't even get patients out of the room because there was nowhere to put them. Mortuaries were not coming to pick up the bodies. And we were just all in a frenzy. We didn't have enough PPE. Like we needed a solution. And again, we didn't fast track a vaccine per se. However, we were able to, in the vaccine development process, overlap some processes, given the fact that we had unlimited resources, unlimited manpower, unlimited money built on years and years of knowledge of the coronavirus family. So we were able to do research 
development, safety testing, and manufacturing all simultaneously to be able to get these vaccines out. And you guys, there's been millions and millions of vaccines given. Have there been some people who've experienced adverse effects? Yes, we've identified those. We've labeled warnings on them. We are still collecting that data. And when we know better, we do better. But in the situation where, if you're going to ask me, would you rather get vaccinated and prevent death or risk getting COVID and dying? I'm going to take the vaccine. Now, I do believe that everyone does have a right. If you want to get the vaccine, like if you're someone who, like you're adamant, don't want to get the vaccine, you are entitled to feel feel that way and, and act on that. However, understand that there will be repercussions of that and there will be certain things that you will not no longer be able to do. And that's not by my decision, but it's for the safety of the public. And it's something that's coming down from our president, as well as several employees and companies are on board with that. So, you know, I'm not here to say that we're forcing people to get the vaccine. We are not. It is based on the evidence that these vaccines are safe. So let's continue to educate the public about the importance of getting the vaccine, but also in that education without shaming anyone for getting it or not getting it. Also let people know what their options are, just like in healthcare, when we give someone the pros and cons about a surgery and we ask them, do they want the surgery? And they sign the consent, same thing. Let's talk to people about the pros of the vaccine and masks and those type of things. Let's talk about the cons. Let's give them an option. You don't want the surgery? You don't want the cardiac bypass? Okay, well, these are the things that could happen. You don't want the vaccine? Okay, well, these are the things that could happen. And let people choose. Stop shaming, stop arguing, stop yelling. I'm seeing too many petty conversations. I'm seeing people name calling and it's very unprofessional. We should be having collegial conversations about this. And for those of you who want to spread misinformation, disinformation, name call and shame people for getting the vaccine, And then also, I'll flip it the other way. If you're someone who does those things for people who don't want to get the vaccine, take a chill pill. Let's be professional. Let's have some collegial conversations. But let's also make sure that we are practicing evidence-based medicine, okay? The Federation of State Medical Boards has already made their recommendation. Hopefully, the American Nurses Association will have a statement on this shortly. You know, it'd be nice to hear from them. I... I am a member and I just don't like it when people are silent. When they're silent, they're complicit. It's no shade. It's just something that we have to raise awareness to. And I'm going to push the envelope a little bit because that's just the individual I am. I think we need to talk about this. Let's not ignore the elephant in the room. Uh, We need to put an end to misinformation and disinformation, not only about COVID-19 and the vaccine, but other things, other components of healthcare. You know, people trust us. We need to be speaking facts, science, and, you know, sharing information that's going to help protect someone, not potentially jeopardize their lives. So guys, I'm Nurse Alice. I want to thank you so much for tuning in and listening to this. Let me know what you think. Do you think nurses should be reprimanded, suspended, license revoked, whatever the case may be, if they're spreading misinformation or disinformation about COVID-19 and the vaccine, or should they not? Let me know. You can email me at nurse. Alice at nurse.org. And speaking of nurse.org, shout out to them for supporting the podcast. Love them so much. Uh, guys, if you haven't already, visit nurse.org. They have tons of wonderful information for people who are interested in entering nursing, who are in nursing school, looking to take the NCLEX. Maybe you're a nurse already looking to pivot into a different specialty, do something different. All the information's there. So shout out to nurse.org. And if you haven't already, make sure to subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss another episode. Okay. And you can like, share, and leave a comment, rate it. 
I'd love to know what you think. Again, my goal is to provide you information that's useful, helpful, and gets us thinking as a collective. Nurses, we can do so much if we just work together. Okay, guys? I'm Nurse Alice. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time, guys, make good choices, be kind to one another, and live well, my friends. Thanks for listening to Ask Nurse Alice. Visit nurse.org for nursing career, education, and community resources.